Welcome to Future Left Podcast. I'm Adam. Uh, here as always with my co-host, uh, Casey. Casey, how you doing? Doing good, man. Good, good. And we're going to be talking about police unions today with a special guest, uh, Douglas Williams, who is a labor educator and part of the StrikeWave editorial crew. He has a new piece at StrikeWave.com about uh, the subject we're talking about today, which is cop unions and why uh, we don't like them and why we think they should go away forever. Uh, but uh, in any event, Doug, welcome to Future Left Podcast. Glad to have you. Thank you so much. I'm 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 so glad to be here to talk about this issue. Absolutely. And I got a little bit of a curveball uh, coming at you right now. So uh, we we all agree cop unions are bad. Uh, what about the union that represents the cameraman on like Cops, the television show? How do we feel about that guy? You know. <sighs> well, you know, that's funny. Uh, it's, so that is interesting, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> that is somebody who helps to essentially air, uh, you know, propaganda for the cops, right? Copaganda, as it's popularly known. Yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, propaganda, did you, did you say, Adam? Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't coin that term. I'm I hadn't heard that. Before. I hadn't heard propaganda before, but that's. Oh yeah, when you're when you're watching CSI and like some killer uh, riff from the Who comes on after they, I don't know, do whatever they do on CSI. That's propaganda for sure. <laughs> but I, but I mean but I mean he is he is a worker. I mean, but he's helping to. Yeah, I, I mean to to be clear, I I wanted to kind of goof on the fact that cops got canceled, uh, and I'm and, and like. Like the cops have been canceled for a while, but they're just hanging on, you know, uh, they're thriving, unfortunately. But cops, the TV show, they're hard to cancel definitively. The cops. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, it's interesting because to me, right. You know, yes. First off, I didn't even know cops was still on television. I didn't either. That, that shocked me. Like one of those zombie television shows, like like uh, new episodes. Like I, I, I thought they hadn't made a new cops episode since like the late nineties. Yeah, like it just it seemed like one of those like zombie shows, like The Simpsons. You know, uh, so now hold on, Douglas. <laughs> I mean, listen, listen. If you if you like anyone else has watched a Simpsons episode in the last twenty years, I know, I feel I know. incredibly sad for you. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I, I am a Simpsons fan, but like I, yeah, I know what you, I know what you mean. <laughs> Are you a Simpsons fan or are you a Simpsons drawing because I've gone and done fan? Because those are that, that that's something that's very those are two things that's very different. I, I, I'm a Simpsons fan in sort of a nostalgic like I I remember I started being able to watch them. Like when I was a kid, they were like super subversive and like you couldn't let kids watch it. Now it's like one of the most tame things on TV you can imagine. But I remember being, I'm born in 1985, but I remember when I was finally allowed to watch it. So it's like a nostalgic thing from my childhood. And I revisited it as an adult and I was like, oh, the later episodes aren't so good, huh? Yeah, so, it, it's, it, it, it's gone downhill. But I guess, you know, yeah. to, to, uh, to wrap up the, the riff, uh, <laughs> the, the CWA worker does not necessarily choose to do yeah. 
cops. Uh, yeah. The cop definitely chooses to be a cop, right? right. Yeah. So, we, 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 yeah, we can blame the the boss for wanting the, the to produce the show cops the way it's produced. Like the the boss the boss very well could like uh, pay people to put a laugh track on every time a cop falls down. That would be that would be pretty entertaining. Um, but like no, it's it's a boss's decision. Yeah, I was, I was just uh, I I kid the cameraman anyway. Um, but anyway, uh, let's let's dig into the actual issue. So uh, you referenced CWA CWA. I believe it was Writers Guild, if I'm not mistaken, um, came out and uh, saying the the AFL-CIO uh, should disaffiliate from the IUPA, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a big a big, one of the not not the largest cop union, but like a hundred thousand cops are apparently represented by the IUPA, and uh, the 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 AFL-CIO this week replied in a press release saying, "We believe police officers and everyone who works for a living." Uh, have the right to collective bargain. Uh, every, everyone here agrees, as we've already mentioned, every worker should, I mean, we, everyone here probably agrees that uh, every worker should have a union, but we all despise police unions and want police unions to go away forever and go to the bad place. What is it about uh, cops, Doug, that you think sets them apart? Why are, why are, what is it about cops that makes them not in this, you know, every worker deserves a union? Why, why don't we put them in that category? Well, I mean... You know, what we have to look at is what is the history of police unions with regards to the labor movement? What is the history of the police with regards to the labor movement? And, you know, workers... For one, workers don't murder other workers as a course of their job, right? And I think when we when we sit here, we talk about um, we sit here, we talk about the police and their function, which, as we know, is the it's not the protection of people. It's the protection of private property. It's not the service of communities, but it's the service of capital, right? And when we look at these things, you know, who does the boss call when, you know, you know this yeah. strike is getting just a little out of hand, guys. So yeah. they call the police. Right. You know, we've seen the police being used as a sort of personal concierge service for, you know, wine moms uh, in the last like few years. Right. You know, we've seen uh, the cops, you know, murder. Right. You know, like the thing that was that that, that's so. incredible to me is that we all know that cops have done this stuff for decades right we just we didn't have the recording technology to be able to capture this stuff you know live 4k hd like repression right and now and now it's very visible what the police are about what the police um 
uh, and, and who they serve. And to me, there is a fundamental disconnect between the concept of solidarity, which requires justice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And our and the cops. There just is. And if the AFL-CIO is an organization that puts solidarity with the working class, the Black working class, the working class of color as a first principle, then the the course of action here is clear. Um, Otherwise, you know, this is one of those times... uh, you know, which side are you on? And I've chosen my side as a black man in this labor movement. What about the AFL-CIO? It really is a direct conflict of interest that, you know, unions are supposed to be there to support the working class and the police. That's their chosen target. So there's like a very clear lack of solidarity and a very clear conflict of interest there. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, they are a a group of people who are set against workers, who are set against building working class power and working towards uh, working class liberation. And... I mean, again, you know, either solidarity is something that we have as a first principle in our movement, or right. it's not, and it's really that simple. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, uh, like, video cameras earlier, and it, it, it makes me, like, I'm sure we've all seen the video by now of uh, the Buffalo Police Department, like, shoving, like, a 75-year-old man onto the ground. And, the, the, and of course, the, the cops, like, put out a press release that was like, oh, he tripped. And but and it's the kind of thing that like they've been like like just lying for forever. Which is but but now that like I don't know that's what's so unique about the past few. I mean, arguably the past few is it like decades, right? But like that's what's so unique now is that that cameras are just so much more ubiquitous and they can't lie. But I don't know that any other union. And it's like they don't know they're being filmed because it's still so common for them to say, no, it happened this way. And it's like, yeah. no, everyone's on camera. Everyone's filming you. But I don't I don't know of any other union. Like, for instance, Casey, uh, you were a, a teacher and you had a teacher's union until uh, you recently left that profession. But uh, like I, I, that's a, like arguably a public servant job. Uh, I mean, it, it is a public servant job in the way that people argue that police is a public service job. Um, but like there's the, the teachers union would never go to bat if you like killed a kid. <laughs> it wouldn't be a thing. It would, it would just not be a thing. No other union does what police unions do. Teachers unions are surprisingly uh, strict on kid killing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they yeah. would not have my back on that one. I mean, and it's, I mean, it's like, do you believe my words or do you believe your lying eyes, right? And I mean, I tweeted something, um, somebody had posted a side-by-side 
comparison of uh, two news stories. And the first one says, police officer says someone took bite from his sandwich at Indianapolis McDonald's. And then the next uh, photo says, update. Police officer forgot he took bite from his sandwich at Indianapolis McDonald's. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. It's beyond parody. It's what almost like cops are incompetent as well, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, what I said um, was, I quote yeah. tweeted it, and I said, remember this the next time you serve on a jury. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, because, for real. Because cops lie. Right? right. Like, they have as much incentive to lie to further their goals as anybody else. In fact, exactly. uh, you know, my educator side is about to come out right now because I'm about to make a book suggestion. Um, there is a book called uh, Tulia, um, T-U-L-I-A, Tulia, uh, race, cocaine, and corruption in a small Texas town. And so what it's about is the uh, arrests of 39 people in this small town in Texas called uh, Tulia. And they all were convicted just about. I believe one was not convicted because uh, she had actual documentation that she was actually in Oklahoma City when the arrests were made. Um, but some of these people got incredibly draconian drug sentences. Like, we're yeah. talking two, three, four hundred years, right? As it turns out, the tech, the, 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 the the guy who busted them was lying about everything. Like had like completely fabricated all of this evidence and managed to put away, I think it was about a 10th of the black population of this town, um, all on lies, right? Yeah. Like cops have a history of lying to protect the shield. And it's very clear to me from the Barton Gugino uh, situation in Buffalo where, you know, we clearly see this man being pushed to the ground and where they say he tripped, he fell. Right. right. And, you know, what's kind of scary, but not all that surprising is that they found a friend in the White House uh, yeah. who is willing to parrot these uh, lies before an international audience. And I think that should let us know the scale of what we're fighting against right now. You know, this right. is a a national fight and all hands have to be on deck behind this, including the AFL-CIO, if this is something that they truly 
care about as much as they claim. Yeah. I mean, what, uh, another th- interesting thing. So, uh, me and Casey are both from Texas, uh, current, both of us currently, uh, expatriates of Texas. And I, I had to look up Tulia, but it got me thinking, uh, it's in like, it's out in the panhandle. Like the closest, like major city people might've heard of is Amarillo. So you imagine this being a very small town. And what's interesting is probably the cops in that situation didn't have a union, and this is one of those things that I've been thinking about in terms of like broader, like, um, you know, uh, defunding the police and scaling back police as an institution uh, in small towns, like police act in a, in a, in a different way. Sometimes there's like, uh, you know, um, you know, sheriff or county police and stuff like that. But it, like, uh, uh, I don't know. It makes me think that um, they're like the contours of like rural versus urban uh, that dynamic of policing is even more interesting because I think people often th- have this, um, what's the, like Andy Griffith uh, type of notion of like small town cops, yeah. right? Where, where, where um, they're, they're so uh, good, they don't not, even carry guns. Yeah, yeah, not my experience with small town cops. But um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, and, and part of it is because there's this whole narrative about police in our and related to cops and copaganda right um but like that they're heroes and there's there's all these narratives built up around that they're the they're the thin blue line or the, the between order and chaos or they're it, you it know supporting um, of our valorization of the military over to the police and that sort of parallels the growing militarization of the police like it's so common like if you go to other culture sure. like if you look at our police officers they look a lot like by and large they look like soldiers like they're large muscular often men with like short haircuts and in other countries it's not the same like police and so like police in other countries look like you know i don't know like economics professors or something you know they don't look there's not that military sort of aura placed on them yeah i mean so i think you know the uh, it's interesting you bring up the rural sort of urban divide perhaps on how police officers are seen, right? Um, you know, police officers in small towns have also been used to enforce a, you know, divide along racial segregation lines, right? You know, you stay on your side of the tracks, Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And you won't have any problems. But if you come over here, then 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 we're going to have a problem. Right. Um, and, you know, if you think about the civil rights movement. Right. Yes, there were a lot of demonstrations and stuff like that in Detroit in Chicago and yeah. places like that. But the bulk of what we understand about the civil rights movement occurred in small towns. I've been to Selma. Okay. So it's not a burgeoning metropolis in yeah, West sure. Alabama. Right. So uh, yeah. it, if, if you really think about it, police even then were sort of deployed as shock troops against racial progress Right. And a lot of that happened in the rural South. You know, if you think about it like that, the case of Tulia 
Texas is very much in keeping with that history and that history, you know, it continues today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, it makes me think in, in terms of, you know, the, the, the way our society thinks about police, like it, like be, given the t- type of ideological inertia that cops have in our society, like, uh, it, it's, it's all, it almost makes me wonder like what, what actually, and it's worth, it's a question worth fleshing out. What actually do police unions do for cops? Because I, I know that like, you know, um, a lot of people, at least growing up, I've actually noticed this changing even among my more conservative family members, uh, that, you know, it, it, any type of accusation against police in the media that would be immediately responded to with, uh, you know, um, well, I'm sure that the police officer was a good person and this is, you know, the, 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 the guy was coming right for him or some bullshit, you know. And, and while that's changing, I feel like the the kind of ideological inertia like cops can basically get off like you mentioned on on terms of on juries people just believe cops right uh, or people just like kind of buy these narratives like in terms of like uh what is the utility of police unions um you know with regard to police officers in, in that sense like what 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 do police unions actually do for cops and and in, especially like um, I don't know. Uh, maybe I should just leave it there and we can continue the conversation. Well, you know, I think, I mean, listen, right? Uh, cop unions represent their members, which is precisely what they're designed to do. Um, the problem with that is when their membership is set against the working class, right? And when cop unions represent their members to the detriment of the rest of the working class, right? So, you know, if you want to say that uh, police unions are perhaps uh, too effective at their job, you, you, you'd probably be right. I mean, you had... Daniel Pantaleo, who took, what, five years for him to finally be fired as a cop in New York City. Uh, The Minneapolis uh, Police Officers Association had uh, Bob Kroll, which Mm -hmm. um, I actually saw a a tweet that said, uh, if everybody in a large metropolitan area knows your name, and you're the head of a cop union, you can pretty much guarantee is because you're a ginormous fucking racist. And Bob <laughs> Cole is definitely that. Um, you know, how effective do police unions represent their members? Well, Bob Kroll gets up at a press conference and says, listen, I would bet that most of us here have been involved in officer involved shootings i've been involved in three myself right Mm -hmm. uh it's kind of jarring right uh you know to hear that to hear it bragged about so openly but this is the sort of social and political impunity exactly have granted police officers 
Um, and yeah, I think the representation of their membership is precisely all that police unions do. And they do it so effectively that it's an impediment to progress for everyone else. For sure. For sure. I mean, the, the the elephant in the room is just how fucking embarrassing at the end of the day cop unions are. <laughs> uh, you, you've got the uh, cop union presidents who are out there trying to rally the troops like like they're fucking Norma Ray or something <laughs> as if they're the, you know, the persecuted noble, uh, you know, factory workers. And it's just the saddest thing you've ever seen. I think one of the uh, guys in New York in the press conference was saying, we don't want our members to be ashamed of carrying the shield in their pocket. And I'm like, yes, we fucking do. We absolutely do. <laughs> Read the room, buddy. Yeah. yeah. It's so weird to talk about the plight of cops when this is a moment of people beginning to wake up about police violence and the and the oppression of the black community. Like that, that's such a weird and tone deaf thing and speaks to the the – privilege and untouchability of police officers that they don't have to be aware of the room. Um, but it's just, it's so telling and I can't, I can't imagine like the people who are going to still be holding on to their love of the police when we come out of this moment are like the scariest people I can, I can imagine just the most militantly anti black pro law and order like it's, I mean, there's a huge divide being created right now. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you mentioned Norma Ray, and I just imagine uh, a mashup between Norma Ray and uh, Vicky Valancourt from uh, The <laughs> Boy, like yeah. and you look at these, like, police officers. I do what I want. It's like standing standing on top of the uh, sewing table with a sign that says, want me to kill them for you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, it, but, I mean, these people are like the biggest fucking crybabies, man. Oh, my fucking yeah. God. Like, yeah. oh, oh, you know, it's like, oh, man, I can't imagine what it's like to have people like profile you thank yeah. you're wearing yeah I, I, like you know as a black as a person that's been a whole ass black man for 35 <laughs> fucking years yeah. i just i can't fucking relate i'm sorry i have no idea what you're talking about and the language up, the language man. that this guy I, used he said cops are being portrayed as animals and thugs and I said, very interesting choice of language that you would choose to describe how <laughs> cops are being treated. I it is it is like man, um, the the these police departments, you know, these police union offices must be very short on uh, perspective and mirrors because, yeah. good lord, like if you can't do the tiniest bit of self-reflection and be like wow wow you know what this might not be the tack that we take but again right like tell me one part of our society that policing does not touch 
You have yeah. police athletic leagues, right? You got police on television and in the movies. You got uh like you got the actual police that you probably see at least once a day, like yeah. like driving around your community. You got the speed cameras, man. Driving into DC has never been a, a a thing that I've liked to do. Yeah. Let me tell you just how much it sucks nowadays because there are like these speed and surveillance cameras all over the damn city. Like right. policing touches literally every corner of our society. And so I think to a certain extent and a very small extent when you talk about these sort of like blue check lanyard crowd on Twitter and in journalism, right? Because a lot of their arguments against this stuff is in bad faith. But I think for a lot of other people, it is literally impossible for them to imagine a world where these things were not set up as pillars of our society. It's impossible for them to imagine a future where, where the people are able to craft alternatives to policing, where... Yeah we were not watched 24 fucking seven, right? Every minute of every day by your friendly local police officer who, you know, if you happen to be a black man, you know, you know, they'll just, they'll be so friendly as to kneel on your neck for nine minutes and, and asphyxiate you to fucking death. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and that is, I mean, I'm gonna be real with you, and this is something I've said um, on Twitter. Uh, I know there are gonna be folks out there that disagree with me about this, but I don't give a fuck because here's the thing: uh, the left is wholly, woefully, desperately unprepared for this moment. Absolutely unprepared for this moment. How do you mean? And I'm going I'm going I'm going to say something else that people might not like. Part of that is because we spent the last years last 5 years tailing behind the Bernie campaign and trying to fuck that electoral chicken. Well, guess what? <laughs> your 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 hero, your hero everyone doesn't even support defunding the fucking police. Right? In fact, like he's released a version. It's like, hey, you know, I just I think we need to train people better and, and, and pay them more so we can retain good cops. Cops are, are like like uh, there was something going around like showing um, uh, police salaries and the amount of overtime they get. Cops get paid way too fucking much as it is. I can't imagine giving these people a fucking raise right now. I mean, some of these folks top out over 200 g's that's what i was saying i was was wild yeah i mean it is just it's like at a certain point y'all if we believe 
in a socialist and communist left that is ready to join our brothers, sisters, and comrades in this struggle, if we believe in a world where I don't have to tell my niece and nephew, my niece and nephews about what to do when they come across the police. We believe in a world where um, I'm not having to white knuckle it every time a cop gets behind me. Experiences that are universal to black people as well as other people of color, right? If we truly believe in the liberation of the working class, then you know what, man? We have to do not only the popular education amongst the masses uh, that, and when I say popular education, here's what I mean. I'm a labor educator, okay? I educate people who on organizing, on leadership and stuff like that, who would not, if I put out a call that says, hey, wanna learn about organizing? Uh, Meet me at this spot. You know who I'm going to get? I'm gonna get a bunch of people who are either A, already organizers, or B, already inclined towards that sort of stuff. Well, that's great. But also, we need to be reaching people who aren't in DSA, who aren't in social alternative or any of these other organizations. We need to be reaching these people through popular education initiatives, but we also need to be reaching them through, we also need to be reaching our own sort of cadre and engaging in a level of skill training, right? How many people do you think at your local DSA meeting know anything what to fucking do with a fucking gun, right? I mean, it's hilarious to even think about, right? I mean, in Dallas DSA, it's probably quite a bit more <laughs> than, well, than normally right. would be. Yeah, I mean, and, and or even like, look, man, like, I, I get it. Everybody's not going to be like Danny DeVito. So I was blasting, right? You know? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I mean, there are other skills, medic skills. Like, there are so many skills that can be brought to bear. Yeah, you got to have a balanced party. You need to have a damage dealer, a healer, a tank, a rogue. There's a, any number of roles. Paladin. Yeah. I mean, basically, and we, you know, it's disheartening to me to think that for all of the all of the stuff that we put out you know, with regards to, oh, this organization is this many members or this organization is this many members or this organization has elected these people or whatever, that when it comes to the fundamental ground level stuff of revolution, revolution's in the air, y'all. Like, if if y'all think that defunding the police is something that we could have talked about in any shape, form, or fashion and have it go, 
have it be a policy debate that is had by people who would much rather ignore it, even after the death of Michael Brown, right? This is something that's very new. And this is something that, like, leftists in particular, Black leftists, are shaping this debate, right? Uh, And we are seeing the debates and actual action around radical policies. If we, if the, if, if the American left as currently constituted is not able to meet the challenge of this moment, then we need to have a very serious reflection about what our purpose is and why we exist. Cause that's, that's a fucking problem. Well, I mean, uh, you know, in terms of like institutions, um, and I'm not talking, I'm uh, probably leaving aside the, uh, the question of, um, armed leftists in this case, but like with the, with the AFL CIO basically saying, no, we're not going to kick out the cops that we, you know, we believe the best way to use our influence on the issue of police brutality is to engage our police affiliates rather than isolate them. They said, um, uh, like, you know, there, there, there becomes a question of how, you know, cause the AFL CIO is a large institution. It's influential, um, what then should folks be doing about it? And I know in your recent piece, you, um, the issue of central labor councils was highlighted. Can you talk a little bit about what that pathway means for the labor movement and you know, just say a little bit more about that? So um, for those who might be unfamiliar with the concept of the central labor council, The Central Labor Council is essentially a regional version of the AFL-CIO, right? So if you think about the structure, you have the national organization, and then you have uh, state federations of labor, and then below that, you have the Central Labor Councils. So... The central labor councils can, uh, honestly, I don't think central labor councils in practice matter enough. Uh, You typically see them most active around election time as sort of a gathering point for different people going out to do electoral work. But the reason we wanted to put pressure on central labor councils locally is because just like, you know, when it comes to electoral politics, you know, you don't start at the top, you don't start at the presidential level and think you're going to make change. You don't start at the national level with the AFL-CIO and think that change is going to be uh, short and coming, Right. So building that grassroots support amongst our local houses of labor, you know, this is very important uh, because those are going to be the folks who have the most direct contact with local police unions, uh, local uh, 
um, police officers and that whole infrastructure. So, you know, I, I wrote the words, um, CM Lewis, uh, wrote, uh, put together the spreadsheet and what we decided to do was sort of put that out as an alternative course of action, right? Like if you want to really get into the meat of this stuff at the grassroots level, here's your local central labor council. Here is a sort of list of who is affiliated with the AFL, who is not, call them all, right? But it it is sort of the 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 uh advocacy is amplified if they are an official member of the house of labor in in a particular region right and we just wanted to produce that tool and that sort of level of understanding so that people can engage in this at the grassroots level in a way that is very local right so we're, I mean, the, the, the broader question is about, you know, it, like in terms of central labor, labor, central labor councils might be one way to do this, but in terms of like making the, the AFL-CIO a little bit more democratic and responsive to worker demands and, and even popular uh, moments and popular uh, movements like the one we're kind of witnessing now uh, is, is, is beyond the central labor councils. Uh, are there other ways you would say we could kind of transform the AFL-CIO into something a little more representative of, of working class people, a, a little more responsive to their interests, et cetera? That's a beast, man. Like, okay. um, that is something. I mean, what I can sort of say is myself and my writing partner, Brian Conlon, we wrote an article uh, at this point uh, four years ago called A Plan to Defragment the Labor Movement. Uh, and, our, uh, and our plan was essentially um, abolishing the unions as sort of craft based unionism and using the unions as they currently exist as repositories for industry-specific information. And instead of orienting locals around a craft, orient locals around the local central labor council. And from there, go out and organize everybody. Right. Um, Again, an incredibly radical plan. uh, But at the same time, you make the movement more diverse and more democratic by going out and organizing people and not just organizing people externally, organizing new stops, but organizing internally as well. if the AFL-CIO suffers from a lack of democracy, it's because the labor movement in general suffers from a lack of democracy and a lack of participation, right? Yeah, and that's something sure. 
that we have to prioritize um, going forward, even if we're not going to completely uh, remake the labor movement uh, in the way that I just described, at the very least, Mm -hmm. if we can encourage people to get involved in their local lodges, if we can encourage people to step up and take leadership positions, that stuff trickles up, right? And we, it's it's work that doesn't get done in front of a camera, right? Or in front of a microphone, but I'll be damned if it's not the most important work that we can do. Yeah, for sure. So um, sort of a, one of our things that we like to do, it's sort of our, uh, what would you call it, Adam? Sort of our, uh, not our brand, but it's sort of like our, a, shit. our little our shit. We, yeah, yeah, we like to do, we like to talk about things in terms of control, alt, delete. Uh, control meaning that an institution should be publicly owned. Alt meaning that it should be worker owned. And delete meaning, you know, we don't fucking need it. So this police the police clearly is not an institution that if it was a hundred percent cop run would be better. Um, and it's, it's already more or less a public institution. You know, we can, we can imagine social workers getting public funding, uh, to respond to a mental health crisis and, you know, them having a union is good. We can imagine a sort of investigating institution that does things like crime investigation. They could have a union, but we probably need some sort of crisis response, even in like a socialist utopia that can respond to, you know, fascist counter-revolutionary violence or something like that. What is it about, you know, this new, uh, in this new situation that we would want to create this new reality, how would a union function differently than cop unions function today? So I would say that, um, when we talk about alternative uh, institutions that are able to do the work of policing and stuff like that, um, I think we, uh, so you mentioned social workers, right? Um you know, social workers are act would actually be pretty well uh, equipped to handle a lot of these sort of um, like the mental, like like the mental welfare checks and stuff like mm-hmm. that that right. police does, um, or counselors, for example, would be well prepared uh, to handle that. You know, when we talk about um, sort of community-based interventions, uh, like even, like you said, even in a socialist utopia, you know, we do, you know, we need a sort of force that, uh, you know what, I won't even say the term force because that implies something. We need a certain institution that will um that would fight i guess you say fascist counter-revolutionaries or whatever right i guess for me 
I would circle back to the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And I would circle back to that because, you know, when it came to defending our rights, you know, on the day-to-day level, you know, we'd like to talk about the 101st Airborne, you know, escorting the children into Little Rock Central High School. Right. But outside of those major cases like that, you know, what we had were the Deacons for Defense and Justice in Louisiana. You know, what we had were the Tuscaloosa Citizens Advisory Committee in Alabama. What we had was a journalist who described Martin Luther King's home as an arsenal, right? Right. Um, You know, we've always been able to have ourselves and to protect ourselves and to defend what's ours, right? So I would actually rethink the notion that creating an institution another institution all on its own to mimic police work. That's something that I think is questionable enough for debate, right? Because really quickly, you know, one of the issues is that these sort of repressive and reactionary attitudes, they're cultural, like you're inculcated these attitudes from the moment you join a police force. And I don't know that we would want to create another institution that enculturates people to be violent reactionaries. Uh, So, but obviously it's something that, you know, I am still working through myself. It's something that, you know, a lot of people are thinking about how to put the theories put forth into action. So, I mean, that was sort of my, that was sort of my initial knee jerk reaction as well, that, um, you know, isn't the problem with police that while their mandate in theory is good, you know, defense and then order and safety. It sort of seems that a lot of the issues and overreaches of power come with the institutionalization of it. Um, and that might, may not be something that we would want to replicate. So, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a pretty, you know, good take. Um, and also just in, in the DNA of police is like slave catching patrols, strike breakers and other odious functions. So, Hopefully, a, a, new, a new institution without that baggage could be something else. Yeah, when people talk about how police have sort of gotten corrupted, it's like, I don't know about that. I think it's operating as intended. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we're looking at delete, gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. You yeah. know, I think, I think that was clear, you know, yeah, by yeah. the of the conversation, but yeah, definitely delete it. And I, I, what's interesting though is like, especially you know, like you said, there's Casey, there's like, uh, you know, um, I don't know, the perception that like, uh, you know, it's a few bad apples. It seems like pretty much all of the apples are bad, and and I'll maybe grant that 
that a few of the, a few of the apples are, are are try to be good, but they're still they're still like operating in the the outfit of a pretty corrupt institution. That's hard to be good in that sense. I don't know, but like. It, Whenever I say that all cops are bastards and people are like, well, what are, there's some good guy. And I'm like, listen, if they want to stop being bastards, they can stop being cops. But like, you know, after the the like the the old man got shoved down and was given like massive head trauma by a cop, all of the when he got suspended and like all of the other cops like resigned in protest. Like, where, where are the good cops? Like, if, if that's your take. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't I, I've never, under, I don't know. Adam, didn't you know, though, the president said that old man was taking a fall. It was all an act with the blood from the ear and everything. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, a, as a member of Antifa, I can confirm we're training grandpas to fall down on command. That's, that's the, that's the grand plan. We got the blood packs in the ears. Yeah, yeah. We got, the blood, the, we got Stan Winston pushing the button <laughs> to make the blood squirt out of the ears. Anyway. Um, I, unfortunately I am out of time, uh, but this has been a great conversation. Uh, Douglas, thanks for joining us and for, for sharing your thoughts on cop unions and cops and, and everything in between, I guess, and the labor movement. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to, to have had the opportunity to be here. Let's keep up the fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed, you as well. Uh, and for future left, I'm Adam. I'm Casey. Delete the cops. Delete the cops. Bye. Delete- Fuckers. <laughs> Bye, everybody.